Hello, it's me, Chris Wong, and on today's episode, I sit down with the two founders of the Badlands Detectives, Marco and Ramon. For a while now, the general consensus has been that, as it stands, the crypto community has been the Wild West, a frontier of great promise and great danger. Ramon and Marco are two pioneers on a mission to provide more information and stability to their community of like-minded individuals. I asked them about their process, how they started, a little NFT talk in the social media space, and where the future of the Badlands lie. As always, all opinions expressed on this episode should not be constituted as financial advice. Please do your own research and invest at your own risk. You can tune in with the Badlands Detective Community on Twitter at Official Badland and with me at It's Me, Chris Wong. And with that being said, let's begin. Block Party is a tech culture podcast. We do tech for the people. We cover topics ranging from cryptocurrencies, blockchain, augmented reality, artificial intelligence, and more. Our guests include entrepreneurs, creatives, and influencers. Block Party takes a unique view of tech through the lens of the people living it. Block Party is tech culture. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of Block Party. As always, I'm your host, Chris Wong, and today I am joined by two very special guests, the co-founders of the Badlands Detectives, Ramon and Marco. Gentlemen, thank you for taking the time out of your day to speak with me. How are you both? Good. Thank you for uh, having us into your podcast. I'm brilliant. Likewise, thank you for inviting us. Uh, I'm ecstatic to be here. Yeah, and I know it's really late uh, over there on your side, so uh, I'm going to ask as many questions as quickly as possible. And I've been, like I said earlier, I've been looking very forward to talk with you both, especially after the events of the last three weeks. And we will talk about the events of the last three weeks uh, later on in this episode. But for the audience listening, can you please tell us more about yourselves and how'd you guys meet? How'd you guys get started in this? Right. Um, so my name is Marco, and we met for joining forces with another 98 of us, uh, making an exclusive group to solve riddles of um, Neo Tokyo Season 2. For those who do not know what is Neo Tokyo Season 2, not sponsored, but would love to be. Um, <laughs> basically, it's an NFT where it's making huge strides to the market for its mysteriousness, riddle solving, and also game events that is made by uh, Elio Trades and Alex Becker. In short, that was where we found an official Badlands, and that's where we met. Yeah, uh, my name's Ramon. Uh, literally, just building off of what is kind of uh, said, is yeah, we came from we came from almost nothing. I think it was almost a spur of the moment that actually brought us together, and um, from the ashes of season two, thinking that it was riddles and everything, and then finding out that it was just one page <laughs> to actually mint off of, uh, we actually decided to turn this into something, and um, yeah, it's led us to officially found in the Badlands and having uh, quite a, a, a bit of growth in, the, in our recent weeks, actually. So, yeah. 
and and that's really that's really really interesting and speaking uh, on that what led to the actual formations of the badlands community because i know you guys are a small close-knit group and very highly specialized so why badlands what does badlands mean and and how uh so in regards to the badlands um and everything so uh what actually compelled us to make it is that we actually realized that there was actually such a gap within the nft space and the problem with this is that the little man was getting caught in uh in quite bad situations so so to say so we were seeing things like rug pulls we were seeing that um people were just ill-informed and making bad decisions or inexperienced actually so to say in the space i believe you actually do require a certain level of experience to make those educated decisions and because we realized this we actually realized that it is unfair and it's not things that people should have to go through including early on as the nft space is building we realized that as the nft space does grow we don't want people to get turned away we don't want people to leave the space we want people to adopt nfts even though we do think that they will be adopted regardless later in the future um we do see that um we they we actually need to safeguard these people that we do want them to stay in the space and we don't want them to feel like NFTs are a scam because there's a lot of skeptics in the um, just outside the space, actually, and a lot of people don't want to adopt it. So that's, uh, that's literally what compelled us to actually create Badlands, to create that space where people can come and discuss and feel like they're being listened to and they're able to make educated decisions. We're able to supply them with the knowledge that allows them to be successful within the space. It's such an opportunity to actually be alive while NFTs are coming around. Uh, most people don't even live through evolutions of the internet, and here we are. <laughs> so Absolutely. I think, um, yeah, that's definitely what caused us to, uh, uh, to create the Badlands. Yeah, for sure. I think um, in terms of what we have seen so far in our group of space and why we actually made this group is because I think what you pointed out was really right, uh, the exclusivity and also the small amount of people that we have is really focused on um, having the right people with the right mindset and also the right idea to identify what is the good sort of, of NFT projects and what is the bad ones. Because uh, we'll be honest here, 99% of these NFT projects in the current market would not actually make it in the further years to come. So that's why we had to make sure that this group of people are well informed before in the future, if we ever so want to open up to the public to get more invitations towards our group. That way, these veterans that are already within our space could educate the others in a more informed uh, way with more information that is actually difficult to grasp because art itself in the NFT space is very subjective, but we also have attributes and elements that play a part in the objective manner to make better decisions in these investments. Yeah, and I think I think that's really interesting. I, I believe I actually read a quote earlier today. I was preparing for this uh episode and i believe uh there was like a record high of eight billion dollars in nft sales that occurred just in january alone eight billion is astronomically large compared to what happened over the last year in 2021 and i believe last year one of the words uh, of the year was nft and it shows how much interest there is in this space and i think that's really important something really important that you said safeguards of the nft space and i think that's a really really good way to put it because as the name of the Badlands Detective suggests, it's really a wild, wild west out here. And you guys are kind of acting as, as kind of sheriffs guiding this, this group of yours that you have to understanding more about the space. And I think that's really, really 
important. And I guess to the both of you, how important is this kind of uh, role that research plays in this space? Because I know there are a lot of people out there that are, uh, for lack of a better term, caught up in the hype, caught up in the 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 wave of the hype of NFTs and all this money that's being thrown around, but not releasing the seedy underbelly that both you guys and I know where a lot of these are rug pulls. So where do you see the importance of research in this space? I would that that... Push... Hey, you go first, <laughs> Mel. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, uh, research actually within the space is, is one of the most important things, uh, really and truly, if not one of the, if not the important uh, thing within the NFT space. And the reason of this is, as I touched down on before, is that the lack of education and actually lack of knowledge leads to poor decisions and getting caught in things like rug pulls where... Um, yeah, people are just losing their money outright. And uh, as this kind of did touch down, 99% of these projects will fail. There's a lot of projects that are just copies of the originals. And uh, when we do see this and people are actually buying into it, people are minting them. I don't think that they realize that at the end of the, at the, end of the day, it's either going to be them or someone else who bought off of them that um, is going to be stuck with the NFT and essentially a loss. And um, that's why research is, uh, is really key into uh becoming successful within space and um that's why we hope to have an outlet where research is just accessible people can come uh people can also discuss and and that's where uh that's why i believe research is probably if not the the most important thing in the nft space i think for sure what ramon has tapped on in terms of uh research being the most important thing for especially in the in the nft space you can see NFT, like I've said already, objective, but there are also elements and attributes that play a part in the objective manner. And I think the fact that, <clears throat> sorry, the, the fact that NFT space is growing so quickly, even though it's in its uh, infant stages, a lot of us are actually trying to play catch up. Like we're looking at JPEG, that's pretty much BAYC, like Board of Yacht Club, to music NFTs and then now 3D art. Like trend lines are shifting so quickly, just like the fashion industry during seasons. And I think like this kind of education that we're trying to provide to the masses in the future is going to be very essential because um, even though, let's say like, for example, any kind of fashion brand where you go and buy, there, there will be some subjective, like some people would like LV instead of Gucci. Some people might like a Bottega instead of this and that. And I think those are the things that essentially would say, okay, these are the blue chips of NFTs. Mm -hmm. Now, when it when a trend line actually moves from, let's say, JPEG to 3D art, how do you define what is good in 3D art? Because it's such a new market itself, which is why us there being like what you said, Chris, um, as a sheriff, um, gives them better informed decisions to make um, in order for their investments to actually flourish in the future. That's yeah, that's I think I think that's so interesting. And like you mentioned trend lines and playing a lot of catch up. Uh, there's so many I feel uh, personally for me, I can't speak for everybody else. But my outlook on the entire space when it comes to NFTs is that people misattribute NFTs to art when NFTs is just a general all purpose term for a variety of different technologies and different expressions of this technology underneath the idea of non-fungible tokens for example uh ens addresses which i believe you both are very familiar with um those are technically an nft but they don't act as a 
NFT where we're trading it subjectively, it acts as a place where people can send money to. And I think that's something very uh, eluding for the general public. And speaking of NFTs, I'd like to segue actually from here to one of the main points of why I really wanted to talk to you guys, um, specifically into how I heard about you guys. So recently, I had participated in the Nameless Jovians augmented reality game that was going on on Twitter, and quite frankly, led to a lot of sleepless nights, for me on my end anyway. Uh, I'd heard that there was another shared group uh, out there from the shared group that I was a part of uh, that was very small, very highly efficient, and they kept talking about how this group kept figuring things out and figuring out these puzzles, and I, I was trying to rack my head around this. I was like... The only way that this could happen is if there was a small, efficient, and very educated group out there because we were brute forcing it using a thousand, two thousand people, and sometimes having numbers isn't not isn't necessarily the best method to be able to solve these kind of problems. And how this uh, supposed NFT uh, is going to be distributed and engaging with our community. So I, I'd like to ask you guys on this particular event. Um, can you tell me what it was like for you guys and your process when it came to Nameless Jovians Game 1? And how did you guys even hear about Nameless Jovians to begin with? Um, yeah, definitely. It's a, it's a very interesting topic to actually talk on because we actually didn't uh, plan to do Nameless Jovians. And it was just chatter from Twitter and also some of our friends that are very into these riddles uh, solving NFTs that actually got onto it and hooked onto it. Uh, previously, we actually wanted to go into SinCity ARG3. I'm not sure if you heard of SinCity, but it's a very uh, it's a expanding sort of game that is a mafia-like game that is trying to be out there or the first one to hit the market because the mafia game really um, goes into hand with like the family aspect and everything. But I won't dwell into that. So, in terms of how we actually managed to process our teams and also solve the Jovian riddles essentially and efficiently throughout all those sleepless nights that we already spoke about. <laughs> um, we had a lot of experience from Neo Tokyo and also the previous uh, SinCity ARG that actually played a part because we identified what was our strengths, what was our efficiency rate, how we could go from there and everything. So in terms of our group, we had a very stacked group of people with various expertise in their field and that played a part because some of the tech guys are able to decipher codes some of us are understanding uh towards the area of targeting hints because for example um one of the areas if i'm not wrong we want and we needed to go to la at 49 street uh 49 east street and we actually had someone to actually go down uh physically there to find hints and that was something that you wouldn't be able to do and that in itself, um, Jovian, uh, Nameless Jovians had a very distinct and unique um, gameplay that other Riddles uh, NFT projects did not have. So that was how we actually did. And by having all these knowledges and experiences of cracking hands, I think we all worked hand in hand on a voice chat to solve the Riddles quickly. So yeah, definitely experience was a huge factor to it. And I think Ramon will be able to tap onto more of the other things as well. Yeah, 
there's actually key that we actually had a grading system beforehand that I believe you've seen it within our Discord. We have a grading of uh, one to five for our detect uh, one to four, five being the newest edition, but it's kind of like a meme. But one to four for our detectives, <laughs> with four being you're basically brand new and one being you're you know your stuff, you're good, you're an asset to the Discord. And when tackling this nameless Jovian's uh, actual riddle, what we realized is that obviously. A lot of uh, a lot of discords were coming from the space. I believe Jovians went from like 3k to 21k followers within like the span of of two days, and we were seeing that you're getting these type of mass discords where loads of people were just talking at once, and at some points it could get actually quite toxic. But in our discord, what we did uh, is we limited numbers and kept quality. We kept quality members in, and that's where we tried to also stop the amount of information that was actually being leaked because we did prioritize our members essentially more than the wider Twitter space, the wider community. And that's why we were uh, we seeing promoting people from grade four to grade two, getting them into different chats. We have we had a nameless Jovian chat riddle, uh, uh, riddle solution uh, actually at each grade. So we have one for grade four, one for grade three, one for grade two. If you performed well at grade four, and you were spotted by one of the grade twos or one of the grade ones or by us, really, you were promoted. And that way we kind of filtered the skill upwards. So then the people who were really good at solving riddles were at the top with everyone else who were uh, really good at solving riddles. And that's what actually gave us the edge that I believe that loads of discords didn't have, is that we had such high skill at the top that once we found it out, we were able to filter it downwards to our own members and try to get everyone through. That's that's what was key is i believe that we had the talent like all credit probably does go to our discord members and our collective mind really and truly and through that we were able to get everyone in we were uh, we were able to actually get everyone to finish every task within um within good timing and it, uh really and truly it just came down to organization and um our community really and truly just that community trust that community bond that uh that we do actually all share yeah, I think I think that's really really evocative. A lot of the glo the broader crypto space as a whole, it's so decentralized, and sometimes there's too much noise. But you have these collective groups of efficiency that are able to distribute these problems and really work efficiently together to be able to solve problems together. And I think that's that your group is such a a really good uh, reflection of that particular aspect. And I'm. I, I gotta I gotta ask this this is more for me because I have to know um there was a there was a specific test um I think it was test two it was a test that gave people access to the Discord for Jovians um it was the one that was in Kiev the the the, the restaurant did you were you guys the ones that broke it because in my in my Discord chat the one that I was a part of we were all basically behind the eight just there was like you said before it got a little toxic there were hundreds of people just spamming information and i couldn't particularly personally filter that out and i was like a password to a restaurant and 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 how, how'd you guys even were, were what first off was that you guys and second of all if it what like if it wasn't you guys who was it i have to know ramon you want to go first or yeah i'm gonna <laughs> interject i don't know <laughs> i almost missed my mute button but um yeah no 100 percent. uh so basically I would hate to take credit away from other communities, but we actually did not find it first, although we were close to finding it. I believe one of our members was actually on the same website that it was actually found on. 
But um, how we actually got it is uh, I'm not going to compromise any of our Discord members. Absolutely. But because of our grading and everything, we were actually able to get a few people into the discords of uh, of other people and at a high level as well. As as I said before, they're able to showcase their skill. And this is one thing that we have with detectives is that loyalty always comes back to the discord. So we were funneling information from other discord groups as well, compiling it with our information and then going from there. Now, actually, someone beat us to the punch. But we weren't as far behind them. As soon as they found out, we found out we were able to figure it down through our Discord as well once everyone was in. And that's how we were able to do, I believe that was phase two task two, actually, yeah. um, the restaurant in, in Kiev. But yeah, no, 100%. We had it. We had it up to the last barricade. We were looking through the articles. What we didn't realize is that there may have been a password for it. And um, yeah, that's when uh, we actually siphoned it off of another Discord group, so to say. Yeah, that's 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 super. I, I just I had to know because that one I was scratching my head for a minute until somebody passed it on to me. And I think uh, I think that's really interesting, actually. Um, and just to uh, personally link this um, to my experience when it came to this uh, task, because this is actually the first time I've ever participated in something like this. Not to say I'm not unfamiliar with the concept of ARGs, but I've never really been on the front lines of something of solving something like this and group thinking uh, problems together. Uh, for part for phase two, part one, where it was the Bank of Jovians, I believe. Um, I believe there was a guy in my Discord, and me and him were both looking at the uh, source code, and we found that um, the we found that it, all you had to do was replace the uh the SHA two fifty six encryption for the website, and it just took you straight to the page where you could enter in your information, even without typing it in. Uh, some people suggested that might have been deliberate as none of the other websites previous to that were coded like that. The Jovian's uh, homepage and the ACS 409 uh, website were not coded like that. And some people thought that that particular way to get through was deliberate. What's your opinion on that uh, particular take? Um, for that... I think it's really hard to see. I mean, hindsight right now, you can say that it could be deliberate. But then at the same time, there's also an argument that can say it could not, it could have not been a deliberate manner. It could have just been an error because I think designing these kind of ARGs, there will always be kind of um, a way to, it won't be just one way to solve it unless it's really security tight uh, by the uh, creators themselves. Because as we know, and as you've tried it before, like, for example, you have 2,000 people just brute forcing a password through the website, or you even have tech guys that are just setting up codes to do basically what 2,000 people are capable to do, but in a 10 times more volume. So in terms of that, I think it's, it's rather hard to justify whether or not it's going to be deliberate by using a SHA-256 and then trying to crack into the code of the website. So yeah, I think... For our, for our understanding, we feel that it's an accident because if you see after that, um, what they were saying or the nameless Jovians were saying was that it probably was an error by them because they didn't intentionally do that. So they upped their security for all the other uh, websites um, for phase two, uh, phase two test two onwards. And then none of those websites were able to be cracked um, through that system itself. So yeah. I I just don't think it was a deliberate thing. 
Mm. And and I guess I guess I have to ask then like I guess basing basing off that what do you guys think about the Navian Nameless Jovians project as a whole? I mean, it's still very wrapped up and shrouded in mystery and I I kind of bringing it back to what we mentioned earlier about Neo Tokyo and the Sin City ARG is that people are expecting Jovians to perform in a similar manner. Well, I have my own particular idea because of that like hole in the game. I also want to give the creators a benefit of the doubt, but like like I feel personally is you can sweep anything under the rug under the idea of cryptic brilliance, you know? Uh we're getting rid of the errors on our page which are clues or oh, you guys broke into the bank. Uh we see we see that you broke into the bank and they wrap that into the narrative of the uh whole ARG. Um do what do you as researchers and investigators yourselves, what do you feel about Nameless Jovians as it stands right now since game one has concluded? So putting on my analyst cap, <laughs> so to say, um, what I think is, uh, is what a lot of people think is that Nameless Jovians may be a rehash or a, a second coming of Neo Tokyo. However, I think it's shrouded in so much mystery that it's almost unfair to just generalize it like that. Really and truly, the team, they could go in any direction uh whatsoever they they could um they could bring something new to the table that gives their nft i believe it would be a free airdrop not to not say or definitely will be but to give that some value i think although it has followed neo tokyo's uh roots in regards to getting interaction and uh participation i believe that what they have earned is uh a reputation of being let's say game masters per se and with that there's a lot of things that they can do it could be that you get an NFT from them and from that NFT, you're able to participate in quizzes only within, only exclusive inside the Nameless Jovians and they could have blue chips and everything as prizes. There's a lot of places that they can go with this. I think it's, um, I think it's almost unfair to say that they may just be a rehash of Neo Tokyo, although they, yeah, uh, they have followed its shoes. It doesn't mean that they will be completely like them. And they may be completely different, but, um, from definitely from a from a first sight basis is is definitely something that I would I'm glad that as a Discord we took part in and uh, 100% tried to go through with every single uh, riddle and phase that they threw because for some reason for a, a lot of speculation here but I do feel like it will grow into something that will actually be quite um quite good to hold quite expensive if you were to flip it. And um, that's why I actually have uh, quite high hopes riding on Nameless Jovians. I, I believe that with the team that they have as well, just even setting up the riddles and everything, that there's a lot of things that they probably can do. And uh, I, I actually can't wait for them to showcase it. Yeah, to add on to what Ramon said, I think uh, I'll tap a, lot, a bit on the human aspect because I think the human aspect of the mysteriousness and we as humans are naturally drawn towards curiosity and because of the mysteriousness and the way that they i guess advertised and marketed their own project to these kind of riddles is literally the narrative that makes it hopeful for the project to succeed now whether or not it's going to succeed that's another thing because the shroud of mysteriousness gave them an edge because of the under promise and over delivering of the project itself including myself you know to other people too sees it as a huge advantage um, in terms of whether or not they're good, like uh, us being an analyst, I think the Game Master, like what R Ramon said, they have already, they've already made these quizzes challenging. 
and it already shows promises to that project. Obviously, this is like a disclaimer. Do not take that as a, a financial advice and do your own research. But definitely, we see it as a huge narrative for the project to succeed in its own way. Absolutely. And, and I, 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 I really do think that there is something here. There's absolutely not nothing here. There's obviously some people who are kind of dejected that they didn't make the initial uh, 2000 or the initial 409 who joined the whitelist. But when you really think about it, uh, when they first mentioned that 15,000 people passed and there were going to be multiple games, I knew that it was going to be in the hundreds, if not in the tens, that they were going to let through if they were really trying to drag this on. So they obviously have structure. They're thinking at high levels. And I really do believe from my own personal analysis, I'm, I'm not like some great researcher. I claim to be a great reporter, but um, I think there is definitely something here. They, they do have, if they're able to get 15,000 people initially, I'm pretty sure they're going to have a great core of people who are going to be invested in this ecosystem. And I, I think, I think that's really interesting from my end, but um, to refocus back to the research aspect that we mentioned earlier, switching gears from uh, talking about Jovians, um, I know that the Badlands also performs uh, like as an efficient research organization. Your community, from what I've seen, uh, consistently shares high-level analysis, shares uh, information between the members to make better educated guests, and is a really strong resource for your community. And for the audience listening here, um, how how do you see uh the what is your research suggesting to you for the year of 2022 when it comes to blockchain and crypto wow that's a really broad topic but before i answer yeah i've heard your podcast and i think you're a great reporter in its own way <laughs> thank you so um yeah in terms of um whether or not we see the crypto market where where it's going and also for blockchain i think there's a lot to cover like the last two years, we've been going through a lot of things like the DeFi mania, the metaverse mania, and the NFT mania. So what I can see is that there are so many pieces in a product of the crypto space, and it definitely adds to the layer of what the crypto environment and the ecosystem has grown to, or rather a foundation. So if we take a look at like the internet, for example, for example in the 1970s, the dot-com bubble had so many stocks that went away and many things in the internet that didn't survive, like pets.com being a huge mega stock and failed in the end. I think it's going to be similar to that, but whether or not we know what the NF, I mean, the crypto space and the blockchain is actually leading towards, I, I would lean towards the GameFi because the GameFi itself, like with identified today, like Sin City, near Tokyo, um, um, also Nameless Jovians, and I'm not even talking about the AAA game studio, which is the big time .gg game. Yeah. That is something that is going to really um, enhance the level of the crypto space because um, besides DeFi mania, besides metaverse, besides NFT mania, all these great businesses that were built on top of it, eventually we will know what's going to happen and which kind of companies and which kind of projects will last. So it is definitely a learning curve in its infant stage. Um, for its use cases in order to figure out what the best use cases of the blockchain and the crypto market uh, will grow from this point. And I think there will be many shots to be taken in the dark. And that many shots will lead us to the winners and losers of like how the internet actually happened and what we have today as an internet, you know? So, yeah. 
I think that's my part. Yeah, 100% for the upcoming 2022, we uh, we actually do see that the blockchain is coming more and more into effect with crypto uh, firstly being a way to kind of remove the middleman, middleman remove the banks and the institutions that uh, make uh, money and transfers more uh, inefficient uh, with the blockchain being developed. That just completely changes that. And um, I believe the heavy focus is on what it's literally for is NFTs and the digital ownership aspect and the utility that things can bring. Like previous to the to NFTs and the rise of them, there was no such thing as digital ownership, really and truly. And now we are seeing the first signs of it. And it's coming in full force at that. I believe that this probably will be the year, if not the golden year, that things start to pick up, including with the rises of, uh, of searches of NFTs and everything in, uh, in Asia. And we're seeing that literally directly uh, shown in projects such as Azuki, the very niche anime uh, Japanese culture um, S projects are doing extremely well in this environment. And I believe we're going to see further adoption for artists that were usually uh, that were usually physically uh, putting out paintings to actually do it digitally and earn royalties off of it instead of uh, previously where artists more or less I don't, I don't want to say more or less but essentially had to go through many many years building a reputation to really get their art noticed but with, uh, with the blockchain it's so much easier and that it's so much it's so much better than where it used to be like we may see. Uh, uh, a heavy focus on things that I'm going to quote from Gary Vee, we may see plane tickets and uh, tickets for shows and everything being done through NFT format. The The technology is so new and is so able and is so moldable that the focus, <laughs> the, literally the focus for 2022 is going to be how far can we push this? What more can we make? How much more technologically advanced can we become? And um, yeah, I, I feel like that's that's going to be answered this year with rises of projects that are um, that are coming into the limelight, and for big corporations like Nike finally jumping on the NFT trend, buying CloneX, which was actually done in 2021. But now we're going to see to what extent is Nike capable of getting involved in the space. And Nike has as one competitor in the uh, in the clothing in the clothing industry. We're, we're seeing many more jump on the, uh, the NFT wave. And yeah, we're going to see, I think we're going to see loads of corporation adoption and we're, re- we're really going to see what NFTs can do. Uh, that, that, that's an amazing interpretation. And, and from my personal experience, I saw, I saw how Azuki was doing very well myself and I was like, damn, I really want one of these. And I can't believe those things are going for like $20,000, like floor price or like eight ETH. That's like... That's that I was I saw this and I was like, nah, this isn't fair because I want one. I want one to have. And I think that's that's like a, a, a experience that I didn't think I would have here in the NFT space, because a lot of people come into this thinking that they're going to become financially successful as basically digital art traders. And this was kind of the first time where I saw it and I was like, I need that not to sell, but to have. And we're going to start seeing a lot of that, like you said, physically represented, uh, like you said, with tickets, with how we're actually going to push this farther. So um, before we wrap up this episode, I'd like to ask you both, what is the future for the Badlands community? You know, like where are the Badlands detective really going to move forward with your own community? And where are you guys looking at uh, immediately right now and in the short term future? So in the short term, we just want to make sure that we have a space that is 100% efficient 
and 100% capable of housing new people into the NFT space. We want to be able to grow our membership. We want to be able to grow our members into people who are adept of NFTs and who are able to um, who are able to uh, succeed from them. Now, for the future, we want to become a staple in the NFT space, as as we said before, a safeguard, so to say. We want our opinion, our research, our analysis to be so highly valued that we ourselves are able to streamline the quality of NFTs that come through. We want to make it so that our approval is almost seen as, I don't want to say gospel, but it's seen in high regards, so to, uh, so to say. And um, with that, we believe that as a community, we will have the power to try and get less projects that are rug pulls to less people falling into those projects. Like, uh, I believe first and foremost is our integrity, 100%. Our integrity, and that's exactly what we owe to everyone in the space, and that's what we owe our members, really and truly. We will never be bought out by a, by a project trying to, say, give us a good review or anything. We will 100% always be honest with our, with our analysis, and that's what we want to keep to, and that's where we want to grow. We want to become so reputable with, uh, uh, within the space that... Um, that uh, we are able to kind of influence the quality of projects. We want to be there so that we can increase the quality of projects that come around, so that the quality of projects, people are, are getting into projects that they can actually hold, that they can hold and not fear to go to zero, that we, we get less replica projects, projects just trying to do the exact same thing as a, as a 5 ETH project, and then turning out to go to straight to 0.2 and then eventually just fading out of existence. That I believe that's the future. We want to become so well established that we are able to help the little man. We are able to safeguard the new members. We are able to educate people. We are seen as that pillar in the community that people can come to and feel safe. Yeah, for sure. I think to add on shortly what Ramon said and what he truly has uh, spoken about in behalf uh, on behalf of our own community is that we are here to give back to the community, right? And we would like to make it in a friendly and educational structure towards the, man, uh, towards the masses so that they can see us an established repetition uh, in order to make informed decisions for any kind of uh, investments uh, in the future. Obviously, like, there's no guarantees, but that is our future outlook that we want to make um, for the community and towards the public itself. Wow, this... This is amazing, guys, and I really like this, where you guys are headed. I really think that you guys could probably be, like, at, at the grandest of scales, you guys could probably be, like, the asset, uh, Standard & Poor, one of the great rating agencies that verify and bring stability to a lot of the projects that exist in stocks, what you could do for uh, projects that exist in the blockchain and crypto space at, like, the top, top. And I think that's, everybody needs a sheriff, everybody needs a safeguard, and I really do believe that as more people enter the space, there's going to be a lot more scams. There's going to be a lot of more, uh, a lot of finessers out there really trying to pull the rug under people. So I'm glad that you guys are really sticking with the mission of making sure the rug stays firmly under people's feet. So once again, Ramon, Marco, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. And before I give this a final note, I'd like to give this time to both of you to speak directly with the listeners. Is there anything left that needs to be said? I would say, um, Thank you, Chris, for having us. And to our listeners, 
um, we hope that you are able to join the Badlands, that uh, eventually we will open up spaces to make sure that every single one of you uh, will feel that you are at home and that you can come to us. Uh, eventually we will have, I don't want to release too many things in the pipework, but we will have tools that will become available to you that you will be able to uh, do your own research really and truly or leech a bit off of our research and uh, feel safer when navigating the space. We do hope that we can uh, give provide you some utility. Yep, and uh, thank you so much. And it's a pleasure speaking with you, Chris. And to listeners, do check out Chris' podcast. They're definitely and very educational with all the co-hosts that he has uh, and guests also that he has brought on. And for our side, we have things in the making and hope you guys would always uh, keep following us. Make sure that you check on our progress because we have big things to come. Awesome. Well, this has been this episode of Block Party. Make sure you check these guys out. Their Twitter handle, official Badland. Uh, Badlands or Badland? I'm pretty sure it's Badland, right? Badlands, yes. Uh, yeah, official <laughs> Badland. I'll make sure to link all the relevant information for the listeners and for everybody who's going to listen to this. But as always, it's me, Chris Wong, signing off. Catch you on the next one.